0: Hi, and welcome to the Authentic Audience Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Ritma. This is a marketing podcast like you haven't heard before. It's about real connections and honest conversations. Why am I here? To remind you that you can fly. If you're brave enough to listen to that calling inside you, I'm here to serve you and show you that marketing can and should be honest, that the truth sells, and authenticity wins. So how can businesses and brands build a real and authentic audience? The Authentic Audience Podcast gives you insight into growing your business and marketing strategies to gain real followers and loyal customers. Each week, I create a space of radical honesty for thought leaders and entrepreneurs who have built successful businesses to share their insights on business, marketing, relationships, life, and spirituality. Each episode is sure to remind you the power of storytelling and truth selling. Get ready to get real, get raw, get honest, and keep growing. Susanna Friedman is a yoga teacher, astrologer, philosopher, and mentor. She has been teaching yoga for over 10 years and has her master's in religion and philosophy. She teaches a rigorous style of bhakti vinyasa yoga, which includes beautiful chanting, fluid sequencing, and nuggets of yoga philosophy that are both profound and accessible. Her sincerest goal is to offer a space in which people can find refuge inside their own bodies. She firmly believes that as a global community, we need to find a way to understand the concept that as her Teacher Stephanie Snyder says, we are different, but not separate. She currently leads yoga teacher trainings, retreats, and workshops around the world and teaches private, public, and corporate classes all over the Bay Area and online. Susanna is not only one of my favorite yoga teachers of all time, but one of my closest friends. Welcome to the
1: pod. Thank you. I feel like we've been waiting for this and just didn't know when it was going to happen. And here we are.
0: I feel like the timing is so good and you're just in my world a lot lately because we're doing some fun work together. And so I just texted you this week and was feeling a vibe. That's the other thing. I don't like planning this too far out because I find like we're recording this and it will come out next week that the more timely and the more like close to the release date that we can record, the more sort of beneficial it is for people. So.
1: Totally.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Great. Here we are.
0: Here we are. So what's up? What's happening in your world? Um, it's been a while since I've seen you.
1: I know. What's the latest? Well, what's happening in my world is a lot and also nothing. You know, it's <laughs> so weird. Like the world hasn't, we are like feeling this opening up, but it hasn't fully opened up. So people are like, Talking about teaching in person, I'm going to start teaching in person on the 15th or on the 16th rather. And so it's this really like tentative time. And it also is this like, as people get back to life, like, you know, as I'm sure you've talked to everybody about the, the since this whole pandemic, it's been this time where a lot of people have done a lot more introspection. Mm. And so with the work that I do with astrology readings and coaching, that has been what people have really, really wanted and really resonated. And so, like, personally, the most interesting thing that has happened over the course of this year is really just, like, the pivot that my career has taken. You know, like, I think I'll always be a yoga teacher. Like, I think that that is, um, as much as we're trying to get away from identifying with something, like, (laughs) that's definitely, like... Yeah. Yoga is, like, in my body. You know what I mean? It's, it's in like every cell of who I am. Yeah. But it's really cool to be able to use the part of it that I love the most, which is the philosophy and like how it helps you in life. It's been really cool to pair that with someone's birth chart and with seeing what's going on with them right now, and then move forward from, with those things, you know,
0: That's one of my favorite things about your teaching style is I find that I learn so much like, you know, in the book Paths to God, there's like so many different ways to get there. And I feel that the Bhakti and philosophy is like really what sets you apart. And I'm always like learning and going deeper into devotion, which is really fun. I mean, we actually traveled together and spent more than a week in a very tiny room um, in twin beds. Also
1: both not sleeping, total insomniacs.
0: We had such bad insomnia at the time. I liked, I actually have gotten a little bit better and that's for another conversation, but we would just be up having like, I love our relationship because we can go from having like a deep philosophical sort of introspective conversation, like maybe about the like Ramayana or the Bhagavad Gita and then talking about like boys and taking tequila shots in Mexico. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. And so we just had such a good time that week, but I loved traveling with you. And you would bring like these, like all your like books, (laughs) which are not like light beach reads. And you would read at night (laughs)
1: to me. Now that I'm saying it, it sounds so dumb. It sounds like such a disgusting cliche of a yoga teacher. Like, I bring all my sacred texts with me in my bag and I packed one pair of yoga pants and I'll (laughs) read to you. Like, it just sounds.
0: We had such a good trip though. And I just like, that is so true. You walk and breathe yoga. And I was reading recently, this thing that Ram Das had said about the mantra and how it like gets into you and sort of like the different levels and the first level, I'm going to totally butcher this, but we'll get there. So the first level is like, you hear the mantra and you start hearing it and you start hearing it and like getting curious and getting curious about it. Like, for example, like I am loving awareness, right. Is his mantra. And you start hearing, hearing, hearing. And then phase two is when you start like breathing it and saying it and expressing it and like screaming it from the rooftops. And that's really when I found you is when I was at like that stage. So I had already like had my practice, but I was like just learning to embody it, which I feel like your type of class is really good for because you can really only just focus on the breath. So it was just for me, like, like inhale, sita, exhale, ROM, inhale, sita, exhale, ROM. And that I just have such a memory of when I was going to your classes every week, like being in that stage. And then there's the third stage, which is where you're just experiencing it all the time. So it's just living in your heart and you don't have to say it out loud and you don't have to like write it down because at that point I was getting it tattooed on me. Like I was just like in that phase. And I really feel like I'm in phase three now. And then phase four of the mantra, which I feel like my teachers live in is just like life is a prayer and you just like live it. Right. And I totally butchered that, but I really feel that you embody Like, especially with your chanting and your philosophy and everything that you talk about, you're really like embodying prayer and devotion in such a loud way. Like you chant so loud and it's so powerful.
1: I, you know, you're not the first person to have said the loud part. You know, I am, I'm a loud chanter. I'm a loud chanter. It's so beautiful
0: though, because it gives people it's like permission, you know, in a class, you have these massive classes. So they're like, you know, between 50 and hundred people, like yelling these chants, there's something like pretty fucking epic.
1: It's amazing. I mean, that's one of the things about, um, chanting that I love so much is that it's, and it goes with the, like the layers that you're talking about, like right now, by the way, I think that all of us, well, I'll say you and I, go between two and four. Mm. Like it really, I don't want to put out one of my main things with teaching is like, I don't want to put out this idea that I live in this like yogic space all the time and that nothing bothers me and that I am just able to be, you know, accepting and graceful of everything because that's not at all true. So in my best moments, I'm living in four, for sure. Mm -hmm. And my best moments are teaching, working with people, astrology readings, all these different things. Um, even like sometimes I'll just stop and stare at one point on a wall and I'll be like, oh yeah, okay, like come back.
0: Hmm. That gave me the chills.
1: But yeah. I am very much in this also like judgmental, petty, you know, talk about boys part of life. Well, I don't you're know that so I'm aware.
0: It. You're so aware. And like you're one of my favorite Leos for that reason because. I have my son in the fifth house. Um, So I feel like we really get to play in this like fiery, fun, playful. It's all about me, but it's not. It's actually about everyone else. I'm the channel like ego, soul, ego, so like back and forth. And it's a really fun place to play because we're both so (laughs) self-aware. And I remember we were at dinner once and I'll never forget this because I just remember being like, wow, that's so cool that she can like turn her observer on so quickly and recognize that. And I was telling you a story about somebody else and you were like, oh, that's, it's so hard for me to be present with this. I'm finding myself really
2: jealous. Mm -hmm. And
0: I remember being like, wow, that's so cool that you were able to remove yourself enough, right? Like you're still having the human experience, but just to even be able to admit to yourself, let alone me, like, tell me this again, or like, let's pause. Like I'm having a really jealous reaction to this. And did that, like, how do you do that? Like, tell me more about sort of your practice of like being so in the human and then sort of switching. Cause you do it so quickly.
1: Yeah. Well, there are a couple of things that I want to say first, starting with the human is like, What people can't see right now, but I hope is included in this podcast is we're on a zoom call so that we're actually talking to each other, but Krista looks so tan. And for whatever reason right now in this light, I look like a ghost, like the the disparity between our colors is like very worrisome. And I need to like really check in on myself, um, live
0: outside on my couch. If you haven't heard.
1: I mean, I just got back from Hawaii. Like I actually am tan. It's just that this light, whatever. I I think
0: you look porcelain and angelic and pure. Thank you. (laughs) Um,
1: so sattvic. Um, okay. So first I I think you need to, I want to give you a little credit because I wouldn't say that to everybody. Mm -hmm. And you and I do bounce back and forth so often that, um, breaking into the conversation with something like that, I know you'll understand. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I will catch myself doing it very often. I won't always be like, hey, let's start over because I don't always want to have to go there with people or I don't want to get into a moment where they're like, what do you mean? Or mm. whatever. Maybe there can be a lot of different reasons. So, um, but I do catch myself immediately when I'm, in one of the human emotions that is somewhat problematic, you know, is just a harder thing to, to deal with. And jealousy is definitely one of them. Covetousness is definitely one of them. You know, judgment is definitely one of them. And yeah, so like, I definitely, like you said, experience those things. And when I name them for myself, I don't stop experiencing them, but I can't really do any work on them until I can see them. Mm. And the only reason I can do it so quickly is like, you know, the two pillars of a yoga practice are vyasa and vairagya. Um, vyasa is consistent practice over a really long period of time. And vairagya is a non-attachment. But in this case, like that first part is like, I've been asked to do this by, the, by my teachers and by my mel- mentors and elders since I was very young. So I've literally my whole life been asked to be introspective in that way. And then my chart is also just like very much geared that way.
0: Yeah, we're both Cancer moons, which I feel like saves us in so many ways.
1: Totally. But also like I've learned how to use my Scorpio in a skillful way, you know. Um, But this is my like favorite thing. I just taught this in the love story of a teacher training. Um, But it's and it's sort of it always sort of either blows people's minds or at least gives them a little more space. But I think one of the main keys that I've started doing, and this is like just a free pro tip for you all is to third person yourself. Mm. So when I'm having a lot of anxiety or I'm feeling really jealous, one of my big new things in my practice is to be like, Oh, Susanna's experiencing jealousy and it gives so much space That like, then I'm like, oh, I'm not actually experiencing that. Mm. Like Susanna is experiencing that. And when I'm with myself, when I'm chanting, when I'm teaching class, um, I'm not thinking I'm Susanna doing these things. It's just like, it's just happening. It's just moving through. So I know that that's the more real part of me. When I'm quiet, when I'm by myself, even if I'm doing, even if I'm like, watching you know some terrible tv show um which should be another podcast i feel (laughs) but um even i'm just watching something super shitty i'm not sitting there none of us are ever sitting there being like oh our construct is watching this thing you know what i mean (laughs) yeah um, yeah It is really helpful. And when I get in a real kick about it and because like I am really devoted to finding more space between what my ego is doing in the world and what my soul is asking my ego to do in the world. Like I always say that your ego is the vehicle for your dharma. It's the vehicle for your purpose. So um, it's there to serve your purpose, you know, but like I'll be watching TV and be like, oh, Susanna is watching a really shitty TV show right now. You know, um, and so I try to bring that mentality into, into almost everything that I do at like on a pretty regular basis, just to sort of train my mind to go to that place. And then it's also that also makes it easier to say something like, Hey, I'm experiencing a lot of jealousy right now. I remember that so much. Yeah, because your mind friend who like it you're my only friend that I I've had that with which is so funny like you're so engaging and you're so present and you make people feel like they're the only person in the world Mm. that you care about when you're with them it's like this really beautiful quality that you have um so then when you hear about like somebody else you're like oh I'm not like, I know I'm special. I know we have a special friendship, but like, I'm not the only one you do this with, you know what I mean? It's just funny. Like I'm a
0: bit of a flirt. I'm a bit of a spiritual flirt.
1: Yeah. Cause you're a Gemini.
0: Cause I'm a Gemini. I mean, and you see me and you get me, but I, I don't do it with very many is the thing I can count on one hand that I have the kind of relationship that I have with you And it is really sacred to me. And I, and I do, I do try to be super, super present, um, which is why I love this podcast because it's a way to just like drop in and, and light people up and talk about the things that matter. And we text and talk offline about like such important things. I just felt like, okay, it's time to just sort of bring some of this to light. Like you were really texting me all the way through my miscarriage, like just checking in on me, like really supportive. Even if I wasn't getting back to you, you were just like there. And we talk a lot about comparison and like social media and just a lot of these things that I think a lot of people are dealing with. And, it's just important to sort of bring it to light. And one of the biggest things is comparison. And that's what we've been talking about a lot offline. And you were texting me like these just nuggets of wisdom, which is what you do. If you're like in Susanna's world, you like ask her something that comes up and you're also like very intuitive in a lot of ways and clairvoyant. So I usually find you like text me right in that moment or are really just like tuned into what's going on. And you were just like sending me paragraphs about comparison. And I was like, okay, stop. Let's talk about this on the podcast. Can we unpack that and like share with me now what, what you were texting me about and give it some context. And just, this is such a big conversation. I've been wanting to talk with you about it on this pod specifically.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm really happy to, because I I'm sure this happens for you. And I'm sure this happens to a lot of people who are listening or for a lot of people who are listening where like, Um, again, it's a, it's a practice and important to be like, this is not my thought that came through, but just something comes in. And so, you know, I want to share it. And Mm -hmm. I was asked to, um, I was asked to teach at this, um, like I was saying before, this very fancy women's retreat. And um, I was asked to teach about self-care and a lot of the retreat was about self-care. And the woman who was leading it happens to be um, my closest mentor, and also my stepmom, and so I kind of knew what she was going to talk about. She's a incredible astrologer. Her name is Dr. Jennifer Freed. Buy her book, listen to her. She's magic. She's amazing. Shout
0: out to Dr. Jennifer.
1: She's incredible.
0: We love Jennifer. So
1: I was like, how am I? What's my angle going to be on this? I know what she's going to talk about. You know. <clears throat> so then I started thinking about one of the worst, one of the things that's most detrimental to our self-care is comparison. And the reason that that hit me so hard was because what came next was if we're constantly comparing ourselves and how we're taking care of ourselves to how other people are doing it, we're taking care of another person. So who's taking care of us? You know what I mean? Like It's really good to um, get ideas from other people, but you hear like, well, for me, self-care is a massage and a blah, 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 and a blah, blah, blah. And none of that's bad. Like for me, sometimes self-care is watching shitty TV. You know, if I get into a mode of like, well, most people don't watch shitty TV. Most people would like go on a walk right now or whatever. Then I've really abandoned myself. So that's one level of it. You know, the other level of it is which self are you taking care of? Because the only self that won't burn out is God, is the highest self. And so while it is really important to take care of um, the human self in whatever way brings you joy and what that means, it's equal, I would say, more important to take care of um, what is your deepest self need for self care? You know, Mm -hmm. and so how comparison plays into that is um, I always go back to this Bhagavad Gita verse about it is better to do your own work imperfectly than it is to do the work of another perfectly. And when we're in comparison, we are doing the work of another person. When we try to, to copy that out of comparison, we're doing the work of another person, which means, again, no one's living your life. You know what I mean? If you're trying to do somebody else's work, who's doing your work? Nobody. Or yes, somebody The who's- world
0: is such a better place when we're each doing our work. Like, I believe that so fully. And I think this is one reason why we get along so much is like, you know, Dharma is such a big word in my life. And Erin Weed, who's a mentor of mine, she gives people words after like interviewing them for three hours. And my word is like literally Dharma. It's not purpose. It's not authenticity. It's Dharma, which like has such a deep- meaning. And I really believe that the more people living in our own dharmas in our own paths, like the better the world, like it's like raising the collective vibration when you can do that. And like, it's not only abandoning ourselves, but like our gifts, you know, and like the things that we're really here to do. And like, imagine if you decided you wanted to like not sing or like not chant because it wasn't what like some really successful. And that's like, you're obviously like with God when you're chanting, like there's no other way to describe it. I say it's like proof of God when, like, somebody's doing something so beautiful, like Trev singing, like that's proof of God. Yeah. You chanting on the harmonium, like proof of God. And I just think that comparison is just this huge thing because social media, especially, has just made it. I just watched Fake Famous, by the way, on HBO. Have you seen it? No. It's crazy. Um, but needless to say, people are spending like, especially the youngers, which just like breaks my heart, like six, seven, eight hours a day on social media. And one thing that came up during the documentary is that the entire point of being an influencer is to make other people like feel bad about themselves. Like if they aren't, living, wearing, like, you know, buying the things that you're buying and like living this lifestyle, like you don't have this unless you buy, right. And it's like, obviously I know some like really amazing influencers and that's not to just like diss that entire industry because it's actually a lot of work. And like, you have to put out so much content and be so on all the time. And like, you couldn't, like, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. I've seen how traumatic and um, just awful that world can be. But I think that this idea of comparison is just like so massive, especially in the spiritual community, like who's farther along on their path, right? Like even amongst the teachers who has more Instagram followers. And it's like, what do we do? You know, like on just like a more existential level, because I know you think about this stuff a lot. It's just like, where are we going? Like what, does sort of the future of yoga, like if you could teach a class, a big yoga class with one of your famous Susanna Dharma talks to like college kids or high school kids, like what, what does that comparison conversation sound like?
1: Well, I think this, it, it sounds a lot like what we're, you've been saying and what I was saying before that. And also just to like tie it up, which is something I would definitely say is in terms of doing the work that's meant for you, You doing that work is acknowledging that God gave you specific work. So you doing that work is an acknowledgement that your highest self um, is, it's like a thank you to God. You know, God has given you the gift of this life. And then you doing that work is your way of saying thank you. And in that thank you, you're serving the highest part of yourself. And that's the part that that's the well that can never go dry, and we're constantly dealing with burnout. I know you are. I know, like I got this bizarre, mysterious illness
2: I know
1: where I couldn't stand up, like it was crazy, and it was because I was so burnt out, and i wasn't I was taking care of my highest self, but I was also taking care of okay, I'm going to launch a teacher training. Okay. I need to get on Instagram. Okay. I need to, I was taking care of all these things that are necessary for my business, but in that moment really needed to like take a different seat. And so I, what I love about the younger generations is how much more open they are to different ways of being different ways of living. um, The tolerance that is here. I mean, I'm, we're also in a very rarefied, like coastal California is except the mid the, the central coast is weird um but no no offense to anybody who lives on the central coast but it's just a little more conservative I think
0: people who lived on the central coast coast would agree <laughs> yeah.
1: um so you know we're in a rarefied world here with that being said I think I would ask, I would really, you know, I'm all about experiential things. So I ask people to write a lot and reflect a lot because the only way you can become reflective is by practicing. Like what people need to know is the goal is always the method, always. So if you want to um, feel more peaceful, you have to create more peace in your life. You have to create more space for peace in your life and you have to be more peaceful Mm-hmm. Meaning, like, if you want to feel more peaceful, you have to not act with aggression. You have to not, you know, give someone the bird who cuts you off in traffic. Right. You, you know, so that
0: was me at the beginning of my yoga practice, even years in when I would get, try to get off at Martin Luther King Jr. freeway on five o'clock to get to your six o'clock Oakland class. By the time I get in there, and also like, it's such a scene, like, Susanna's yoga classes are a scene like mat to mat. Like you don't want to be that person who comes in and after Susanna's already started and try to find a spot. So like that level of stress was just so intense. And I would literally be like hurrying up and like so angry to like get to yoga and relax. And I definitely feel like I've like passed that level in my, but again, the spiritual journey goes like this, right? So I've never passed it, but I think I'm aware enough to like recognize hey, like just be where you're at. And if you are going to have to stress yourself out to get to class and da 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 da, like maybe just finish your work on time here. Don't rush and meditate for 45 minutes here, right? And like that's what I really learned. Like I didn't need to, I felt like the needing to prove actually goes really hand in hand with comparison. And if I had told you I was coming or any teacher for that matter, or any, um, yoga workout, whatever, that's like for my actual good and nobody else even gives a shit. It's like, if I didn't show up, what would you think? What, like I had to prove that I was coming. Like I told you I was coming and like, you know, other people there know, I don't come to class. And, and then it becomes like everything, but about my highest self.
1: Totally.
0: And it's such a Leela.
1: Yeah, it really is. And the way out of that is being in it and noticing it and not trying to escape it. You Mm -hmm. know, Mm -hmm. Um, you and I are both like such Ram Dass groupies.
0: Oh my God. Um, hi, I have his be here now tattoo my Ram, Ram, Ram.
1: I'm going (laughs) to get that right there too.
0: Yeah. I just got actually, um, for those of you listening to this, um, in my email signature, my graphic designer actually took my rom-rom-rom tattoo and is putting it like, like beige. So like not super noticeable at the bottom of every email signature, because that's what a groupie I am.
1: <laughs> I'm going to, I'm stealing that. Yes. Yeah. I take- mean, I'm telling you, so
0: you steal it. <laughs> <laughs> We just constantly steal from each other. I'm like, oh, hey, send me that link to your necklace immediately. Oh, hey, cool. I'm getting that tattoo today. Can you send me a fucking
1: picture? Yeah. But it's beautiful and amazing and magical. It's um, so good. Yeah. I think that the, the play is important. And the, the biggest thing that I would try to impart is basically Ram Dass' teachings, mm-hmm. which is – he put, he just, it's not his teachings. It's the teachings of yoga, but the way he puts it is amazing. And one of the ways that I think is the most accessible for, especially like if you're saying in college, you know, or high school or whatever, your soul chose this curriculum. Your soul was like this in this life, I'm going to get my bachelor's and my master's and my PhD in Krista. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, like your soul's job is to do Krista with all the karma that comes with that. Like that is your soul's job. So whatever you are um, brought, whatever you succeed in, whatever you come up against, all of those things are necessary lessons for your soul. Yeah, you know. So that requires someone to be okay with the idea that you're not your ego for sure, which um, can be a hard pill to swallow. So there is definitely like a baseline to start at. But my biggest thing, especially in the beginning of shelter in place, actually, even before shelter in place, I think it started. So right before shelter in place started, I was in India. Mm -hmm. And I got back and shelter in place started. So it was like this wild switch but in India the thing that kept coming was just be Mm. which is another way of saying be here now yeah like I think with a lot of comparison a lot of comparison is attached to needing to do something about it Mm. so it's sort of like can you what would it what would it feel like to not have to act on that thought Because if you can imagine what that would feel like, you can live into it. So like Byron Katie, my, my, my favorite question that she asks is, who would you be without that thought? Because mm. if you like who you would be without that thought more, you know, then you need to serve the version of you that doesn't have that thought. Mm-hmm. And serving the version of you that doesn't have that thought is always connected to love everyone, serve everyone, remember God always, you know?
0: Yeah. I just think it's so powerful. And that's something that I've started asking a lot is for my greatest and highest good for myself and for those around me. And I think that two pieces one it's a big part of reiki is like when you're calling and healing you say and i you know i'm not going to get into like the dark energies that are being channeled right now but so many people are like quote unquote channeling and i'm feeling really nervous about it because i'm like do you know that you could channel really negative entities and they can get stuck on you and that's like really dark and really scary cuz like hey guess what this is real um but one of the things anyway that's another tangent but one of the things that um you ask like say i'm going to give you a reiki healing is like calling in this healing and your guides and all of these things for your greatest and highest good right and that's the energy that i'm tapping into and that's the energy that we're serving within ourselves and so i've been asking myself that a lot like is this serving my greatest and highest good in those around me? And if the answer is yes, then I continue on. And it's been a really great way to do sort of like what you're talking about, like with these thoughts, like, is this thought serving my highest self? And something that Ron Doss was, I was listening to, I'm like savoring the beat, the here and now podcast, because obviously he's left his body and this is it. And so I'm like savoring it. And every like couple of weeks, I give myself a new episode. And he was just talking about like, whichever sort of like human experience your soul chooses, like you have a responsibility to do it really well. And like, you have a responsibility to be like a very well-known yoga teacher so that you can spread the lineage of your lineage. Like it's your responsibility to do a good job at it. And then when we like get into our head and our ego about all this stuff. It's like, it's totally in your highest good to be reaching more people with yoga. Right. And then it just becomes a lot easier and a lot cleaner. And the other thing that came along with that for me is this whole, um, sort of backlash rightfully so that the spiritual community is getting around black lives matter around vaccines, around all this stuff. Like we are one, blah, blah, blah. And for me, it's like, is this serving the highest good of all? And if no, then we do something about it. And I think for me, that one question has really come down to being in service and being in service to something bigger than ourselves. And my question for you is with this backlash that I feel that the spiritual community is getting, even though there are so many people within the community that don't agree and like far from it, Um, what has that experience, like, have you been surprised at all at some of the people, like, we're not going to name drop or call anybody out, but have you been like surprised and sort of, I don't know, thought more than of some of these situations? Cause there are certain people that I follow, like yoga teachers and things that I thought were like really for the people. And I'm finding out in the hard way that it's just not. And I think it's important to touch on cause it's so big right now. And it would be, I feel like it would be remiss to not bring it up on this episode.
1: No, let's talk about it. I mean, one of the great, there's a lot of amazing, beautiful things that have happened um, since, you know, uh, this movement was reinvigorated. Um, and before the death of George Floyd, the yoga world was already having a reckoning in terms of in, um, cultural appropriation. So big topic, big topic. So in terms of Black Lives Matter specifically, and seeing race, understanding it's a construct, also acknowledging that that construct has huge effect in the world. And that like, most white people who you ask to say like, "What is your identity? Who are you?" Write down your identity. Most white people wouldn't write, "White." I'm white. You know what I mean? We don't like. It's we've been taught that we're neutral. Like we we are just we are the norm, and everything is a deviation of that. And um, this has been on my mind for a, a long time. And a few years ago, I remember saying to a studio owner, like it it seems really odd to me. It doesn't feel right that we don't have any teachers of color on our teaching faculty. And um, we talked it out and we had a really good conversation about it. Um, but now, and now it's changed, but it took a really long time for that to change. And I think that I've tried to be really upfront about is um, my own failures in that area and, um, how I really haven't in the past done enough and been enough of an advocate or an ally. And, and in that way, I really have been an accomplice and I've just been lazy about it. And so, you know, I've really tried to step that up um, over this last year in terms of being committed to being an accomplice to people of color. Um, and if you all follow um, Change Cadet, Dr. Akilah Kadeh, um, she and I had a talk on um, IG Live, which is on my page, um, but she talks a lot about how important it is to become an accomplice, not just an ally. Like, you're in it with the people. You're not mm-hmm. just, like, supporting from the sidelines, you know. Yeah. You're running the merits on. You're not, like, throwing water on people from the side. So... Yeah, I think that the thing that I, has blown my mind more in the yoga community is the anti-vaxxing situation, which is a whole other situation. Like, you're not doing it for you. You're doing it for other people.
0: That's the that thing. I was, ju- I was just listening to a interview with some CDC woman like as I was getting ready because I'm going to my friend's kid's birthday after this because we're all vaccinated. Yeah. And I was just listening to I was just listening to this interview and I'm sitting here thinking, wow, the people, and this is just my own, you know feeling based on not very many facts, but my feeling is that it's like, what aren't we getting? about serving the highest and greatest good of all. Because if we could just shift to service, which is as yoga practitioners, you know, I I consider myself a householder in the yoga community, but I'm definitely a practitioner. And as householders and yoga practitioners on the path, saying and preaching that we serve God and and therefore serve each other because God is in all of it right how that can possibly in any way shift to I'm not going to get vaccinated because that's serving God like it just and I think it's important to say because you're so um eloquent and well spoken and I knew you would be the right person to talk to about it because that is actually the thing I recently had to unfollow a yoga teacher of mine or, and who I really respected. And another gal and I were sort of DMing about it. Like, could this be real? Cause we've looked up to her for so long and like, it's just shocking to me that this has gone on the way that it has. And that, you know, as a yoga teacher yourself, like even being associated with that kind of community right now must, it's just so weird.
1: Totally. I mean, it is so weird. And I, I, so here's the truth is I don't really follow yoga teachers on Instagram because I have Venus and Virgo and I do a lot of comparing myself. Mm. So I follow some of my friends. I mean, I've muted a lot of my friends who teach because I just get in this, you know, mind fuck space that just isn't good for me. And I'm not evolved enough yet to not go there. (laughs) So, you know, I have to not, not let that part of me have anything to feed on. Yeah. Uh, So that part I've been pretty, I, I haven't, and now just teaching from home and like, um, I have a lot of yoga teacher friends, but my closest people aren't yoga teachers. And so, um,
0: can you as a yoga teacher, I guess, like understand in any capacity how that narrative could have could be starting this like super detrimental narrative that I feel that a lot of people, like I'm seeing yoga classes, like not six feet apart, not wearing masks, like not adhering at all to the rules, like screaming anti-vax from the rooftops. And it's just like, if there is somebody next to you, how do you serve that person? Like recognizing God and that person and how do we take care of each other? Like, this is so the obvious thing. And so I'm just, confused and wondering, cause I'm on the path. I'm like, I'm really woo woo. Like I'm really spiritual, you know, like I'm like probably more woo woo than you in a lot of ways. And I'm just like wondering like how, I mean, and I don't really think there's an answer as I'm like out loud processing, but like how it got so twisted you know, cause I like to see the best in people. And some, some of these people, I'm just like, man, I have so much compassion for like how lost.
1: Totally. Well, so here's, what's really complicated about the whole situation. If we really want to go into the like, woo, woo, um, not woo, woo even. I mean, all this shit is so practical. I don't consider it woo. woo. So like from the outside, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm woo as fuck, but it's like, obviously hearing me talk, I don't think anybody would say I come off as woo woo. Anyway, the real bitch of it is that is those souls karma. Mm. And the thing that like Stephanie, I remember one of the first like intensives I did with her, Stephanie Snyder, who's been my main yoga teacher for a really long time. Shout Um, out to Steph. Yeah. One of the main, uh, or one of the biggest takeaways from that was, you know, we were talking about ahimsa, kindness, non-harming, being vegetarian, all these different things. And then she goes, but you know, it's just as bad as eating meat, judging somebody for eating meat. So me sitting here being really judgmental about somebody else doing something or not doing something on a spiritual level isn't helping anybody, isn't doing anything. Now, that being said, I believe that when we see evil karma cropping up in the world. It is to wake up the, the part of us, the karma in us that wants to fight that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like that yoga is social action because we need to, um, fight for, uh, true equity, equality. We need to fight for, um, a world where we're not tearing each other apart all the time and tearing each other down. And, so it's really tricky in terms of like anti-vaxxers. And I think that I would have to ask that person a lot of questions. I don't, I can't understand that. Mm-hmm. And, and so everybody knows like I grew up not being vaccinated and I'm, I never get a flu shot, you know, um, and this is different. This is really different. Like this is, this is a few things going on in India right now. I know if people don't get vaccinated in India, uh, the country will disappear. The heritage, like the country, will die. And so the people who are in the West or in the states or whatever are just taking advantage of the fact that other people are getting vaccinated. It's just. Selfish, but I do want to touch back on the cultural appropriation thing because I think yoga teachers who even believe that they are doing the work to not culturally appropriate really need to keep looking at whether they're doing it because the amount of that that I've seen from teachers and who think they're not Mm -hmm. and who study a lot, who have a really intense practice, all these things that I really respect I can't, that's what's blown my mind. I can't believe a few of the things I've seen lately where I'm like, how are you not seeing that this is such intense cultural appropriation? And,
0: and that's such, that's the hard part for me because I'm like, okay, this is their path, bump, bump, bump. But also, if you see a path, somebody that's harming somebody else, like you said, it's our job to be an accomplice. So it's like well, not black. And-
1: so it's like, as you're talking, you know, it's coming to me. is like, yeah, that's their path. And your path is to be like, you got to stop that. You know what I mean?
0: Amen. Yeah, totally. So- I just had total deja vu. That was so weird. Mm-hmm. I feel like you've said that a thousand times to me. Um, totally. It's like, there's, I'm totally going to butcher this. And as we wrap this up, I'm just going to take it back to our man, um, Ram Das. And he was talking to Maharaji about war and about whether it's necessary or not. And harming somebody else. Right. Because that's obviously a big piece of it. And Maharaji said something along the lines of, if you know that this person is going to go out and harm 100 people, you have a responsibility to stop that. Right. Right. And that's it. And for me, It all goes back to how are we serving for not just our highest and greatest selves, but for those around us. And a lot of times, believe it or not, when you do something that's in service to your highest self, it actually helps a lot of other people and it can be really, really powerful. And that's sort of the message that for me right now is coming through and that I've learned so much from you is just to stay in service and stay asking and questioning and, and open to a new way and pivoting. And when we, you know, we don't know what we don't don't, we don't know. And when we learn that, that we're doing something that could be perceived the wrong way. And even for me, you know, um, And I want to talk to you about this more offline, but thinking about my book that I'm writing, um, one of my mentors really wanted me to call it marketing your Dharma, which is a talk that I give. And I'm not going to call it that it's going to be a chapter in the book. Once you, once I'm able to explain, because part of my brand archetype is the outlaw. So I'm actually here to sort of shake things up, be a little controversial and ruffle some feathers and. Speak directly and honestly about things that give people pause, just like we've been talking about in the last 15 minutes. However, that's not what I'm here to disrupt. Like, I don't want somebody to pick up that book ever and have a gut reaction or a knee jerk response that's like, oh, this doesn't feel good. And even though, in my deepest, sincerest intentions, I know. That the use and the way that I speak of Dharma is completely legitimate and actually really helpful. I'm still not going to do it. So it's just like really recognizing our responsibility and how people, I think whether you have you know, a yoga class of ten people or a following as of fifty thousand, there are people looking to you all the time to see what you're going to do and what you're going to say. And I do believe that when we put ourselves, you and I in a position that people follow us or listen to us talk for an hour on a podcast, we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to think about the best interest of others. And is this serving their greatest and highest good? And when I was thinking about even asking you this, I was like, I already know that we feel the same way about it. So that was like, you know, a little bit of a cop-out because I knew we would be on the same side. However, I was like, I definitely want to bring this up because I think that Susanna is so eloquent and so well read about it all that you would be the perfect person to bring this conversation to my audience who may or may not be in agreement, but it's our dharma yeah, to speak to it.
1: My dharma for sure Part of it is like the truth, the truth teller, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's not always fun, but one, one other thing, and I know we're wrapping up, but I just want to add to that, which is really important for yoga teachers specifically to know is that like, for me, for instance, even though I'm doing everything I can to learn about it and checking myself and being like, okay, is this cultural appropriation? Is this cultural appropriation? And you know, like I do all the weird things, like don't put sacred texts on the ground, don't put, don't put anything on top of them. Like all these different weird things.
0: Don't point your feet at the masters. Totally. Like There's so
1: many. I've, so for some context, like, you know, I was raised going to Sri Sri Ravi Shankar, who is the best guru in the world now. Um, he used to visit my godparents when I was really little and there were 10 people in the room and I was one of those people like... This has been my whole life. Mm. With all of that, I know I'm missing a lot. And so like I'm teaching this teacher training, I'm outsourcing that part to Susanna Barkataki because she's the expert. So I'm paying her to come and teach, like just like you don't, don't teach what you don't know. Don't talk about cultural appropriation or act like you can do what you want without with just with hubris, you know what I mean? Like humble yourself.
0: Amen. Like, Somebody in my course last night, we were talking about marketing and sales, but she said, we don't know what we don't know. So we need to surround ourselves with people who do. Exactly. And that can be taken on a business level, on a socioeconomical level, like whatever it is. But that's just been echoing ever since in my mind when she said that last night, because so it's it it's so true um on so many levels, and yeah, it's just been so cool to have this conversation with you because I think it's so important that we're two white chicks talking about this, yeah, like I really do. like I think that I feel the same way where I was lazy up until last year, and Now, I think it's just important to bring up and we have this platform and I would love to, you know, share, share you with people and also give people an example of, you know, where they can go to, to learn more about you and about the work that you do. And it's just so grounding, you know, like when you said I'm super woo, but people wouldn't perceive me that way. Totally like some of the most quote unquote, woo woo, clairvoyant, spiritual, deeply like discerning, sitting in their seat of like wisdom most of the time are not woo woo and don't come off woo woo. And it's just amazing. I just, I'm just really grateful that we found each other (laughs) Me too. Okay. I want you to chant. Okay. Um, but before you do that, cause I want to end with that. Cause it's going to be so beautiful. So I don't want to go from that into a cell. Um, <laughs> so before we chant, I would love for you to just give me all the calls to actions because you post a lot about these kinds of conversations on social media. You, there's a lot of depth to your content and what you share. So give me all the ways in which we can find more. Sure.
1: Uh, Instagram is where I'm most active on social media. It, I link it to my Facebook, but like I haven't been on Facebook and I honestly have no idea how long.
0: I just force her to keep the page so we can eventually run ads for
1: her. Because exactly. <laughs> yeah. you can't run ads without a Facebook page. I know. I learned that the hard way. <laughs> Don't <laughs> turn it off again. <laughs> I'm not going to. I'm not. Um, I'm not even in charge of it anymore. You guys have all the yeah. control. <laughs> Good. Uh, no, so... Instagram is where I post the most. And it's been really nice because um, I, don't, I don't know what this algorithm is. I don't know how many people are seeing this shit, but on my IGTV, I have a lot of chanting. And so it's been really nice to have that. Um, and, uh, and then my website, SusannaFreedomanyoga.com is, is there. And um, the thing that I'm like the most excited about right now, which is going to be all over both both of those spaces is this teacher training because I have been in a yoga like I've been surrounded by yoga my whole life. I've been practicing for like 17 years. I've been teaching for, um, 11 years. I think I just, this month is my 11 year anniversary actually teaching full time. So I could Full-time, have time, by the way, yeah. full time yoga I mean, teacher. I slept on people's couches, yeah. couldn't afford rent for a really long time, like really intense. But um, I could have done a 200 hour teacher training a really long time ago. And most teachers do lead their own 200 hour teacher training within a couple of years. And I think that that is such a disservice. And so I really wanted to make sure that like i had been teaching a really long time. And, and because of that, I've gotten to like include so many cool things. And one of my favorite things is Susanna Barkataki is teaching for three days, which is rad. She's teaching yoga as social action and cultural appropriation. Um, Laura Burkhart, who's a pretty well-known yogi um, and teacher, she teaches around the world. She's an anatomy expert. She's teaching anatomy. Um, but. And, not but, and, like one of my favorite, favorite things is this man, Nikolai Bachman, who is an incredible philosophy teacher and Sanskrit scholar. Um, I've been studying him one-on-one with him one-on-one now for almost two years. And he's written a lot of books and he is coming to teach Sanskrit um, because the language is an integral part. And so that's starting this October. It's like I mean, you. I'm sure you've talked about Yandara on this podcast a lot. Yeah, and it's
0: going to be at the same place where I'm hosting my retreat.
1: And I don't know if you've talked about the land, but the land there is the most magical land I've ever been on. Like the feeling of just being there is like... The
0: minute you walk onto that property and that's like, I've had this vision of hosting something there for so long because waking up where you wake up, like nothing else, just waking up and stepping onto that land And having the ocean that you can hear on one side and the mountains on the other, like it's truly like all the elements. And the like it's just And it's green
1: desert, which is wild. It's
0: epic. I I mean people don't know how amazing Baja is. I
1: know. Because they
0: stop at Cabo. By the way, fly into Cabo, drive north an hour. An hour. And anyway, we could just go on and on about Baja, but I'm so proud of you and so excited for your yoga teacher training. And I just adore how intentional you are with every little thing. And what's in Virgo? My Venus. Oh, that's so that's yeah. So My
2: much.
1: In Virgo, We're so- going to
0: have to do a part two. That's like just astrology. I feel. Yeah. Because I haven't had an astrologer on here in a while. And like, there's so much going on right now that I feel like we need like a whole thing on, but we didn't even touch on that. So anyway, in addition to your yoga teacher training, you can also book a really epic astrology reading and you do like life coaching mentorship that brings in yoga philosophy and astrology. It's super unique. It's incredible. I'm here for it. What are you going to chant for me?
1: Okay. Well, I'll explain it now. And then I have to go back there and sit down and, you know, do the whole thing. But I was thinking about what am I going to chant? What am I going to chant? And I'm going to chant a hum prema. And it means I am love. Mm-hmm. And the thing that people really need to understand about this is it means I am unconditional love. I am love that you'll never lose. I am love that will never not exist. I am love that no matter what you do, um, you'll always be held by me. You will always be in my heart. Mm. So that's the kind of love we're talking about. Like, this is not romantic love. This love can't change. And that I'm loving awareness. Like that's Mm. what it is. So that's the chant. And, um, so it's really simple. So it's just a hum prema and I'll do that for a little bit. It's going to take me a second to, that's okay. Uh
0: I'm not going to do a call and answer with you on this one.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Fair. Fair. (laughs)
0: Um, I try to chant with Susanna sometimes, and if we're in the same room on a good day, I can match her pitch, Um, but most days I cannot, so I'm just going to let you guys hear her magic.
1: Well, I also haven't warmed up at all. I mean, I chanted today, but I didn't, whatever. Anyways, I don't need to explain this, we're just going to do it.
0: you. I love you. I love you too. To everyone who's listening, that was so, so, so special. I'm so grateful for this conversation and for you, Susanna and Rom. Have a beautiful week, everyone. And until next week, keep growing.